What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Joe Kilgallen Podcast, a.k.a. Kilgallen's Pub. Um, I hope you had yourselves a wonderful holiday weekend to my listeners here in the United States. It was a Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving, of course, is a holiday that started about 150 years ago or so. Um, and it celebrates uh, when these pilgrims were all like, we don't know how to eat. And then these Native Americans, indigenous people, they call them now, were like, you put it in your fucking mouth, you stupid bitch. And then they fought for a while. And it made for great television about 75 years later. They had these things called Westerns. Kick-ass television. Good movies, even. And um, that's why we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's to be thankful. You know what I mean? Uh, no, that's not what it was. It was the, the pilgrims and the Native Americans were all like, hey, this is corn. And the pilgrims were like, looks pretty good. What do I do with that? And they go, well, you could eat it on a cob or you could cream it up a little bit. And what's nice about it is you get to see it in your poo. And the pilgrims were like, we, we come from England. You can't see anything in your poo. It's just black tar coming out of our bums. And the, <laughs> you call them bums? You call your ass a bum? Why would you fucking do that, dude? And then that's when the fighting really took off. I said the thing before that started the fighting. No, it was that. Uh, the Cherokee in particular did not fancy that the pilgrims called their asses their bums. And so there was just outrage. And that's that's what happened. And that's part of the founding of America. But then we're thankful on Thanksgiving that they just accepted that, you know, you could call an ass a million different things. You could call it your butt, call it your tush, right? A little tushy action, right? You could call it your um, your dump hole. You could call it um, your chocolate starfish if you're a weirdo. I feel like that's one of the weirdest things to call it, a butthole. You could call it your anus. Um, you could call it your dookie. Dookie is what comes out. But you could call it your badonkadonk. People, that's a newer one of the last 20 years, I want to say. But yeah, there's a million things. You could call your butt a lot of things. And that's what we're thankful for, right? So I hope you got together with your family and talked about your asses. I really I really hope that's what went down. So um, I had myself a pretty good week, and I'll get into all of that. But of course, I like to start off with some gratitude for the Patreon subscribers. The Patreon subscribers, those have been there for me from the beginning. They um, are mentioned in the special thanks of my comedy special that is coming out very shortly. I had another contact with a person I need to have contact with the other day. Things are moving. Things are good. But uh, for my Patreon subscribers, I put the special up yesterday. How about that? Or was it on Monday? Within the last two days, that full comedy special is up. And I think I gave you guys a version that was that might be slightly different than the one that goes out in the world. Because there's one joke where I'm like, fuck, I thought I cut that line. Or not cut, but there was a cut there where I was a little annoyed with, so I wasn't sure. Anyway, the special is on there. It's on the Patreon. So if you're up listening right now going, damn, I want to see Joe's special, but I can't wait for when it comes out on punchup.live. Punchup.live. Guys, check it out. Um, I want it now. You could join the Patreon and watch it. So go to patreon.com slash Joe Kilgallen. There's bonus episodes of the podcast. There's um, some archived episodes of the podcast. There's some cool little lists I've done. I've done like top tens on there, some thoughts. Uh, some comedy clips, some sets that have only put on the Patreon. They're not available anywhere else. So it's 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 a cool thing. Check it out. It, it helps me and it helps you and it helps us all. We could be holding hands and doing one of those things where we're on a hill and we're going around in a circle, which I've only seen in movies. I've never seen it in real life, people holding hands and going in a circle when the weather's nice. It looks like a good thing to do, though. I think I'm going to put that on the list of things to check out this summer. All right. Um. Shit, you know what I wanted to lead off with? And this might be too inside comedy stuff, but it's being talked about throughout my community. And I think it's being talked about amongst comedy fans throughout the world. 
that's right. The whole planet is on, onto this. And that's the subject of written material versus crowd work in regards to stand-up comedy performance. So there's a lot of people who are like, nah, man, fuck crowd work. And a lot of the people I'm seeing that are mostly comedians. And then there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm sick and tired of crowd work. And they're regular people too. Regular meaning they're not comedians. So it's, it's kind of a back and forth. So the question is, do you prefer to write your jokes or to hear a comedian tell written jokes? Or do you prefer crowd work? Now, I don't, I don't think you have to choose one or the other. This isn't like the Beatles versus Rolling Stones, which, by the way, like them both. You don't have to. You could like both. There's no wrong answer here. From my point of view, though, I've never really dove into this too much. I prefer, like, I want to say a 75-25 split for live performance. If I'm watching a special, I want it to be, like, 80-90% written material because this is what you worked on over the last year, a couple of years. As a stamp comedian, that's the idea of putting out a special is you're working out a specific almost hour material. It used to always be about an hour, 50 to 60 minutes. Now they're starting to dip down to 45 minutes, which I'm noticing more and more of, which I think is fine. Our attention spans as a society, as a, a human beings is going down. So less is more in a lot of ways. But give me a good 45 at the very least, right? 35 to 45. So um I think for a special, because again, this is what you were working on. You know what I mean? It should be about that, your ideas, your thoughts, your, what are, what you find funny. And, you know, that's a lot of what you love about a comedian. And the really good comedians who have their voice kind of refined, you get excited when you think about how they would handle a subject. You know, like what's Bill Burr's take going to be on this thing that just happened in the news? What's Chappelle going to say about this thing? What is, you know, blah, blah, blah going to say, right? There's whoever your favorite comedians are. I just named like the two comedians who I think probably sell the most tickets in the, in America right now. Are those number one and number two? Probably. But, uh, and then, you know, different people might be like, oh, I want to know. But here's the thing. Those guys are opinionated comedians. Sure. So even if it's comedians who aren't like heavily opinionated, um, you know, like, I don't know if anyone's like, oh, what's Jim Gaffigan's take on, um, you know, the migrant situation in Chicago. I don't think Anyone thinks that they think Jim Gaffigan's hilarious. I want to go see his show because I want to laugh for a good hour and, and have a great time about a bunch of silly things, which is awesome, too. That's what is beautiful. The thing about stand up comedy is that there are different genres within it. Like it's all comedy, but there's different styles of humor. So in regards to crowd work now, here's why crowd work blew up in, in the form of short video content, whether it be TikTok, Instagram reels, whatever, YouTube shorts over the last. It's been probably about post-pandemic three to four years and you really got to credit a guy by the name of andrew schultz sam comedian andrew schultz um a dude i met once in la like in 2015 2016 we we're on a show together I doubt he'd remember it i only remembered it because he blew up years later and then i saw like on a facebook memories i was tagged in a thing with him on the same show lineup you know so i was like oh yeah i knew i knew that dude when i started seeing his, his videos everywhere anyhow guy's got a great work ethic um he really kind of used YouTube in particular and social media as a whole to carve out his own audience, which is what a lot of comedians are doing now, and which is what a lot of comedians should have always been doing and should continue to do uh, that. Cause I've, I've talked to comedians about this. A lot of them are like, I fucking hate that. I got to post all this content on Instagram and TikTok and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, well then you got two choices. Look at it this way. You could either post all this stuff, try to find an audience of people who like you, or you could sit around and wait. Wait for who? Wait for some douchebags in a Santa Monica office for them to decide you're worthy. When what the fuck do they know? 
right? You, you think three to five people in some Comedy Central office knows comedy better than the public, better than the world? I don't think so. So that's why I'm way more on the side of, you know, putting your content out there and letting people find it. It makes more sense to me. I wish I would have been smarter to do this way sooner, but you know, I didn't think of it that way. I didn't realize that that could happen, you know, because for so long it was, there was a way there was, and the way was bullshit anyway. Like it's not a meritocracy in the arts because there are so many great communities and great bands and great whatever that for whatever the reason fall by the wayside, you know, and there's that whole thing, the cream rises and eventually you find these people and eventually they get theirs. Sure. But also no, sometimes those people get beat down. I know so many people who are like, dude, this band should be bigger than they are. Yeah, probably. But they're not for whatever reason, because they don't fit the mold of whatever the industry thinks is worthy of the attention for the masses. Or they, for whatever reason, think, you know, there's this country singer, Sturgill Simpson. It's the country radio hates him. They don't play his shit, but like hardcore old school country fans, they like him a lot. They go, fuck yeah, this guy's like, he's the real deal. He's like the way these guys used to be back in the day. He's not wearing designer jeans like all these pretty boy country artists now. So yeah, I mean, I give him as an example because I think the industry of country music was just like, we can't control this guy. He's not one of ours. Fuck him. He's not doing the poppy shit. He's writing his own stuff. He's, you know, it's just not worth the headache. So we're not going to give him a push. He could figure it out himself. And it's like that in comedy often. So that's why I respect, the guy. you know, Andrew Schultz's story was that he filmed his own special in like 2017, 2018, pitched it around. He'd been doing well enough where he could get in those pitch meetings. There are great comedians who can't even get in those meetings for whatever damn reason. And uh, and they all said no. So then he's like, well, I got the content. I'm going to throw it up on YouTube. And he did. And then he was consistent. And that's key. But eventually, as a comedian, you run out of material. But in order to keep those algorithms loving you and to keep growing and building, you got to keep feeding that beast. So that's where crowd work came in. So it's like, all right, I'm going to film every show I do. Inevitably, crowd work will happen. I could talk to the crowd and work something into it and come up with some shit. Now, some people know how to master that in a way where they take what happened in the crowd, right? Something happens in the crowd. They could weave that into written material, go from written material to crowd work and back and forth. That's the toughest of skills, I feel like. Not a lot of people could do that. And, and then there are the people who start to find a little love with crowd work and then they go too far in that direction. And then it gets kind of like fucking lame. You know what I mean? And this is where a lot of comedians are starting to hate it. And I think audience members are too, because it's like, fuck man. Every time I see one of those guys clips, it's him talking to the crowd being like, Hey, what are you Puerto Rican? Hey, what do you do for a living? How long you two been together? It's all those fucking questions and it's endless. And I think those comedians would be smart to mix it up a little bit, throw some written material in there. And if you're thinking, I don't want to burn a joke. Well, then you're not a fucking hard enough worker. You know, you could come up with something that happened that week. I'll give Jeff Asmus credit. He had a Thanksgiving related joke where he made fun of the people who are always shitting on Thanksgiving. I did that on my podcast. And I think I put up a podcast club version of it a few years ago, but he was smart enough to take it to the stage. Then he threw it up on, you know, Instagram and TikTok. And people are like, yeah, fuck those people who shed Thanksgiving. We, you know what I mean? Why? And that was smart on his approach. He's like, what's going on this week? I'll work it into it. And perfect. And it's not the same. It's just monotonous. It's just more and more of like, oh my God. It's like, I don't give a fuck about the audience. Comedian Pat Tomasulo has a whole thing where he was like, I don't find you people that interesting. He's talking to the crowd. He's doing it in a fun dickish way though. So they weren't like offended by him calling them idiots. But uh, he goes, yeah, I just don't, I don't get the idea that you're going to pay and want me to talk to everyone around you instead of hearing what the comedian has to say. But I do think it's a balance. 
crowd work. Here's where crowd work is a pro as a plus and why I love it in live performance. And I don't blame people. Look, I posted crowd work clips too. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying you need to find a balance. You can't just, cause then you become a crowd work comedian. And then all of a sudden people start to hate all the shit you post out there. I've noticed. Cause even Schultz, he's got some stuff where I'm just like, mm, see, I liked it better when you're doing more jokes, man. Like you're relying too much. You've gotten too confident in this crowd work game. And we all know what's going on with Matt Rife, right? And again, I don't like bashing other comedians. I'm not. Both of those dudes are fucking filthy rich and deserve it from all the hard work they put in to reach the audiences they did, right? No knocking them there. But Rife got to the point where he was so known for crowd work, people doubted he could do written material. And I don't know. I haven't seen his set. I haven't seen his special. But it's it's interesting. I think he's going through something with that where he kind of wants to be like, no, I can fucking do this. And so now he's got this dilemma where it's like, all right, if I stop doing crowd work, people are that, that you know made me uh, so I could sell out a world tour are going to start to be like, what the fuck, man? But for my own sake, as someone who you know has to think about this as an entire career, not just a hot couple of years, I want to write some jokes and also be known that way. So yeah, it's it's a back and forth. But back to my point about crowd work. Crowd work when it hits in the moment and it's spontaneous. It's magic. It's this great moment that only you and the people in the room got to experience. And the pops, and by a pop, I mean like loud response, like big laughs. The pops from crowd work hit harder than the best written joke you've ever heard. I'm not kidding. I've I've heard and seen some of the greatest comedians of all time say their best written material. It gets, don't get me wrong, it gets a roar. But from a good crowd work that comes out of nowhere that everyone's kind of in on, that it's just a different level it's a different level it really is and i can't like i'm trying to think of it like to equate to like pro wrestling because pro wrestling kind of has that too where it's like you know just something in the moment that nobody really sees coming and it shows you what it shows the most of too when you do really good crowd work it tells the audience that hey i'm present i'm here too where there are some great comedians that i love who if the crowd's a little rambunctious or throws them some curveballs in the sense that like someone shouts something out or blah, blah, blah. It, uh, or I should say yada, yada. I don't know. I'm, I'm sick of saying blah, blah, blah. It doesn't sound good on audio, but it's one of those things where they just kind of ignore and keep doing their set. And I've seen audiences be like, damn, I really like this guy the first 10 minutes, but why didn't he address that? And he got so stiff when that person said that. And they just kind of felt like, I like someone who's just going up there, like reciting a poem. And it's like, please just let me get through my poem. It's like, no, you gotta, you gotta be like a performance, especially stand up comedy. What makes it so unique and special is it's like a one-on-one. -on -one. It's so it's, it's you and a microphone. That's why I love it. Whenever I do venues that are normally used to music, like a lot of theaters will be like, we had a band in here yesterday. What do you guys need? And we're like, this is the microphone to be on. Like, they go, oh man. I love, and every one of the sound engineers are always like, fuck, I love Sam comedians because they're so damn easy. Like, yeah, we are. We just, is there cold beer in the fridge? Great. Does the microphone work? Awesome. That's all I need. That's really all we need. And then every now and then they'll be like, what about wireless mic? We're like, no, we actually like the wire. We Because the wireless mics, they, the, I never trust any of those idiots who put the batteries in correctly. It's one of those things. So my thoughts on crowd work are this. I understand the need to post them, uh, especially the good ones. It's, you you got to you know you got to keep putting your content out there comedians look at every piece of content you put out there as an opportunity to gain fans it's that simple that's how i look at podcasts i had a friend who started a podcast and he and he stopped after like 3 months and i was going to do what why did you stop your podcast dude cuz the reason i asked is cuz i was actually going to go listen to it i had that like written down like oh i got to check out so and so's podcast and he goes ah man i just i don't know dude it just i was getting like 
like 25, 30 listeners. And it was just depressing that nobody was listening to the damn thing. And I'm like, all right, well, you're only three or four months in. So that's kind of, you know, you got to build it up a little bit, man. Nothing's an overnight hit. And also, were you having fun doing it? And he goes, yeah, I actually was. I'm like, all right, well, that's the most important thing. Because if you would told me you weren't having fun, you're getting no listeners and it wasn't fun. I'm like, yeah, then quit that shit. But you're telling me you weren't getting listeners, but you were having a good time. You need more patience. Also, look at it this way. If I told you you get to do a set once a week for 30 people, like, you know, every Monday night do this show, we'll get a crowd of 30. You'd be like, yeah, cool. That's good. I could work some stuff out. It's it's a nice little, st- it's not a big audience, but, you know, you're recording it during the day at your home and then you get to put it out to 30 people. You just, 30 people sucks as far as numbers go, but you got to start somewhere and you got to build. But most importantly, you have to enjoy it. If you're enjoying it, don't look, you don't even look at the numbers. Fuck the numbers. Just keep doing it because you enjoy it. So that was my advice there um, with, you know, and that's how you got to look at po- posting any piece of content as comedians out there. I know this is fucking very inside baseball. My listeners are probably like, dude, I don't give a shit. I'm not a comedian, uh, but it's something to think about. I'm just throwing that out there. All right, I'll, I'll move on. Um, dude, fucking Black Friday, the big shopping craziness, right? I fucking knew this. I knew this was going to happen. I went on a rant about Target a couple weeks ago, and now I'm going to kind of rant about all of them now because I've already seen this coming. They're already pointed, putting it out there. I saw reports in early November of the big retail, the big box stores are expecting a slower uh, you know, Christmas season, shopping season, all this kind of stuff. The fact that they're putting that out there already, you got to understand all of these corporations, whenever they put out information, it's propaganda. Or it's an agenda. It's to try to create spin. You know what I mean? So they're going to do something. They're restructuring their businesses in a lot of ways this past year. They've decided to do, even though they don't need to. A lot of them made record profit. Record profit, right? But there's still other things they want to do. So I think they want a, a worse than normal Christmas shopping season as far as sales go. So that they can do a bunch of crazy shit they want to do the next quarter. And then use this the other way. They were already putting it out there that like, yeah, it's just, we're not, you know, we're not thinking that people are going to be doing as much shopping. We think people are going to be watching their budgets a little bit more this year. And then on top of that, they made the shopping experience horrible. I told you guys when I was at a Target recently how much it sucked because there was no cashiers at all. And it was just long lines of people doing it themselves. And it was a bad experience, right? I found all my stuff in seven minutes, but I had to wait in line for 12 minutes. That's bullshit. Um, Longer, really, I feel like. And and that's what they're doing, right? They're doing a lot of that. And their Black Friday deals weren't deals. They weren't. The Black Friday deals were bullshit this year. I knew it going into it too because I saw a lot of great sales, or at least what I thought was great sales, a couple weeks before. I'm in the market for a new TV. And I'm like looking around. I'm like 65-inch, you know, Sony or was that? Samsung, Crystal, UHD, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, that would, hey, it's a pretty good price. Wow, maybe they've gotten that much cheaper all of them now because it's not even Black Friday. How much cheaper is it going to be on Black Friday is what I thought. Hmm. Black Friday rolled around. Guess what? Same cost. They advertised it as being on sale, but it was the same price as it was a couple weeks before. And there's all these memes going around right now. And the memes, I believe them. I fucking believe them. The memes were uh, some battle scene. It makes me think it was like Braveheart, but it was some ripoff of Braveheart. Because in Braveheart, he had that where it's like, hold, hold, hold. And it's like, now. So they had something like that where it showed like, you know, $4.99, hold, $4.99, hold. And then it was like $6.49 slash $4.99. Now it's like, no, it's been the same price all along. But then they try to dupe you by being like, hey, it was regularly this. It's not though. It's, it's complete bullshit. And there's a woman who was on, went viral on TikTok 
who showed that she was at a target and she showed like black friday special like price and pulled the thing out of the slip you know they slide the price into like a little plastic like display thing she pulled it out and showed the previous price it was the same price so people are on to them and people are like you know what? i'm not gonna go breaking my back getting up early on a friday after thanksgiving after i have a belly full of fucking good food and you know deal with all that shit when i don't have to right i could everything could be delivered to my house all that other kind of stuff so i think that's what's going on right now and i think they're going to do fine it'll probably be like most christmas shopping seasons uh but i definitely think that they are going to try to do everything they can to make people think it was a bad christmas shopping season that way when they roll out a bunch of horrible things that will be upsetting to us the consumer they're going to have that segment of the population that will bootleg no matter what and be like well, what do you expect they got to do what they can to make their profit they can't have their stock price go down because blah 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 because i like to suck corporate dick i can't get enough that's like that's these fucking people i don't get that there are certain things that used to divide the world and now they're not you ever like notice that shit man i always thought all, everyone hated corporations for a while we're like yeah fuck corporations right and there was a while where everyone hated politicians yeah, everyone had their party they like better. Like, oh, I'm more of a Democrat, more of a Republican, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, we all were like, yeah, most of these people suck. And now it's going to where we're fans, we're buying merch. Uh, that part's crazy. I just want us to go back to that. All of us assuming that corporations are trying to fuck us in the ass, uh, assuming that politicians are trying to fuck us in the ass. Can we go back to all those assumptions? That was just kind of more enjoyable. That was the 90s, actually. And I was too young to really get involved in that because I was in grade school. But I listened, damn it. I listened to those around me and I'm like, hmm, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's what's going on with Target right now and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to wrap this podcast up a little bit on the earlier side uh, today. I hope you guys aren't too heartbroken over that. Um, I had a great time with Kristen Toomey as a guest last week. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to the episode of Kristen Toomey. I'm going to have to get... I'm, I, I've enjoyed having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a guest. My other podcast, Let's Get Dumb, will have guests on, but it's not one-on-one -on -one and it's more panel or we just kind of like bounce ideas off each other. So I might have to go in that route where I could do the one-on-one -on -one conversations on this podcast and then maybe just do me and Joan on the other one because you guys should check out. I think the episode that just dropped today was one of our better ones, a real strong, funny episode. Played a little fuck, Mary kill or fudge, Mary kill so I don't get in trouble with every platform now that's, what, why? Why are the platforms doing this now? You know what I mean? Where they're they're like I understand with YouTube because they have the kids YouTube and uh, adult YouTube, but that should be different upload options, and it really is because I have to check a thing or know this is not made for kids. So there you go. So if I swear a bunch, let me swear a bunch. Who the who's it offending? When you go on, if you're 23 years old or even should be, it really should be like an age thing. And I feel like TikTok and Instagram. I know TikTok started with children, so they're kind of like they don't know how to divide it now. But it's very frustrating to post a good clip that's for adults, but I say fuck one time and I'm getting a notification from Instagram going, sorry, we, you can't monetize this video. And I'm like, all right, great, whatever. We're just, we're raising a bunch of prudes, a bunch of virgins. And then when these virgins become non-virgins, what, what positions are they doing? Huh? Boring ass missionary all day long with, with the sheet over up to the guy's shoulder on top of him. And the woman has her bra on still. Is that the kind of sex they're going to be having in the future? Because of the way social media is pushing this stuff, huh? We're gonna have sexless sex. That's what they're gonna be doing in the future. That's that's Gen Z and younger millennials right now, probably having just boring sex because the goddamn internet is trying to make teach them to be vanilla. Actually, I don't like insulting vanilla. Vanilla is underrated. Okay, the vanilla ice cream, 
fantastic, right? What's what's in the middle of a good cookie? Vanilla flavored, right? Is that what the cream is? The in between an Oreo is that vanilla flavored? I don't even know now. This is just cream, just regular cream. That's it. You ever have a vanilla Long John? It's a type of donut. By the way, the term Long John I just realized is not what they call donuts everywhere. I lived in L.A. and I was like, I'll, I'll take a chocolate Long John. And everyone looked at me like I was fucking crazy. I'm like, what do you guys? What do you guys call the Long Chocolate Donut? It's like the Long Chocolate Donut. What? It's like you know, it's a chocolate donut that's in the shape of. It's like an Eau Claire or Eclair, Eau Claire, but uh, they don't have um, the cream in the middle of it. It's just chocolate frosting, but not in the donut shape, not in a circle. It's more like a chocolate uh, eye. What letter am I going with here? Like rectangle. It's a rectangle is what it is. All right. See, I was going to close off the podcast, but instead I give you five more minutes of dumb shit. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed my crowd work first material conversation. I hope we're not going to be suckers to this corporate spending. Um, try to support small businesses if you can. And you know what you do? Uh, especially you adults out there. I was thinking about this. Like, I want my, when people ask me what I want for Christmas, I want to tell them things that could benefit my friends. My buddy comedian Mike Bryanson has a book out. And I would like someone to buy that book for me. Bridenstein, if you're listening, yes, I have not bought your book yet because I thought about Christmas time. And actually, your book came out at a bad time for me financially. So I didn't, I just didn't have an extra, you know, I meant to buy it. I'm sorry. I was trying to get around to it. I had, I thought I had an Amazon gift card. I was going to buy it on Amazon, but then I couldn't find the gift card. And then, then I couldn't, then I was logged out of the Amazon. So I couldn't figure out my password. And then before I knew it, weeks have gone by. And now I'm like, I'm just going to buy it for Christmas. All right. Anyway, you guys are the best. Thank you for listening to the Joe Kilgallen podcast.